everyone, and welcome to Brunch and Learn. I'm your host, Nicole Dillon, and this is a podcast for women who love to brunch, like myself. Here, we talk about two of my favorite topics, brunch, obviously, and the idea that we can learn something new every day. Each episode will interview a new female powerhouse, gab as though we're girlfriends at brunch, and learn something for our brains. So let's get started. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the Brunch and Learn podcast, where we are talking about food, brunch, and of course, learning something new every day. Today's guest, we have Neetu Patal, and she is the founder behind Phoenix and Rose. She is a feng shui consultant, something, a topic I know nothing about, total newbie. So I'm very excited to dive into this topic with her today. So welcome. Thank you so much, Nicole. I would love to kick things off with the listeners. And can you start by telling us a little bit more about you? What are you working on? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Nitu. I like long walks on the beach. (laughs) No, I'm a feng shui consultant and I live in Prospect Heights, Brooklyn. Currently, I, in between clients, I am aggressively working on like email marketing campaigns and blogging and really sharing my story about just tips and tricks in the home that I've picked up over the last few years and just sharing more of my personal story with my audience and past clients. How long have you been doing Phoenix and Rose? Like when did that start? So I started Phoenix and Rose Feng Shui. I was living in Washington, D.C. And I officially like started the company, formed the LLC in January of 2017. And then at the time I was working a nine to five job as managing a real estate brokerage. So feng shui was just kind of like my side hustle. And then six months of doing both full time, I realized that my side hustle was making me more money (laughs) than my nine to five. And I, you know, feng shui is just my passion. And so I decided to let go of the nine to five and just take a risk and go full out with feng shui. And that's exactly what I did. I just want to know more about your background. (laughs) What was it that made you decide to learn this? make this your life's work in Feng Shui? Well, actually, I have a really crazy story. So in February of 2016, I went to this Reiki healer. She's in Manhattan. I was at a, I was at a, like an intense period of transition. I had just broken up with a boyfriend. I had been living in Miami for a year, and I was about to move to Washington, D.C. So in between, I made a little pit stop at my parents' home in New Jersey and stayed there for a couple months while I was looking for jobs in D.C., And I saw this Reiki healer and she was just basically like, me too. God put you on this earth to do feng shui. You're a natural healer. That's your gift. You have to start using it. And she knew nothing about me. She um, had no idea that I had been reading feng shui books for the last like four or five years. I had no idea that I had been intuitively practicing feng shui (laughs) for like 10 years. Every home I lived in, I would help friends. I would help past real estate clients. And so I just had no idea that that's what I was doing. And then when I met her, everything kind of clicked. It was weird. It was the thing that was like right in front of my face and I completely missed it. So after just this incredible healing with her, um, she sent me on my way and she was like, start your business, get some Yelp reviews, you know, start small and just get it going. Just keep practicing and keep spreading the word that this is what you do. And that's just kind of how it all began, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty cool. If you've ever, if you ever have a chance, definitely go get a Reiki treatment. It's amazing. What is that? What does it involve? So it's just like um, someone that can essentially like stand above you and um, gently move energy in your body by touching certain points. So maybe it's the tops of your shoulders Um, Sometimes it's just like on the tops of your knees, going down to your ankles, and they can essentially move energy in the body. And you can feel it too. You can sometimes feel like a tingling sensation and it can alleviate anxiety. It's just like a holistic treatment 
versus taking pills for you know depression or sleep or something and it can just clear energy stuck energy in the body that might show up in the form of like emotional trauma or you know pain physical pain sadness so it's just a great way it's almost like it's almost akin to acupuncture where it's just like starting to get the chi moving in your body I haven't done acupuncture in a while and I <laughs> yeah that always feels good but I'd also like to I guess dive into the basics of what feng shui even is yeah so okay so by the, the most simplest definition I can give you is feng shui is the ancient art of placement right but just after the last four years of going into going in and out of people's homes, I really view feng shui as a means to loving what you already have and just making it work better for you. So uh, I just can easily go into someone's home, rearrange their furniture, their existing accessories, their existing plants, and just create this whole new beautiful space. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons I named my business Phoenix and Rose because it it is like the phoenix burning to the ground, rising from its own ashes. And then the beauty comes in with the rose and then the transformation, but you're using what you already have. So it's cost-effective and eco-friendly. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about the history? So I know feng shui literally translates into wind water and it was used by farmers essentially. Like, And they, they realized that when they placed their crops or grew their crops, just like using the forces of nature and using the power of the wind, they saw more prolific crops, I guess. <laughs> and then that concept started to be utilized within the home. So there's certain areas of the home, like you can place the Bagua map over your bedroom and locate a certain energy center, which is like the love corner. So typically that's where in a home, like in a square home, people would generally sleep in the far right corner. And then they, and so this, this is like years and years of, I guess, somebody establishing that these, this is where the energy concentrates in these corners. And certain sections of the homes were identified as these like energy centers to promote wellness, creativity, love, wealth. And so I just follow this Bagua map in addition to my intuition to help move energy in the home and also bring about new circumstances in people's lives. How do you get started? Like, what are the rules? <laughs> so for me, there are no rules. Literally, I am essentially a furniture medium. I can walk into a space and oddly communicate with furniture and inanimate objects. I can pick up on their energy and essentially I know where they want to be placed in the home. And it doesn't matter if it's like a tiny studio or a six bedroom mansion. It's the same process. And then on top of that, there's stuff that you can learn just from reading a book. Like for example, using certain artwork to manifest what you want versus what you don't want, right? So if you're single and you're looking for love, put up images that represent romance and partnership all over your bedroom because that's where you would have romantic partnerships. And you know that's kind of the space for love to happen, right? or clear out space in a closet or a drawer to manifest that partner. So those are just some like, there's some very basic principles that everyone can do on their own time. And then there's the kind of woo-woo gift stuff that I've learned along the way as I fine tune my craft, that, that's just like an innate ability. So it's a combination of both. Do you have any easy feng shui tips that you yes. <laughs> I have a ton of feng shui tips. So I always recommend people, this is the easiest thing anyone can do in their home, is deep clean the four corners of every room. All the energy concentrates in the four corners. So literally, if you just get down on your hands and knees, wipe the floor, really clean the baseboards where the walls intersect, like that crevice, and you can go from ceiling to floor that will instantly start to get the energy moving. And then what I like to do is just take a few drops of cinnamon oil and smear it around in the corners. So this actually acts as a natural bug repellent. So you might see bugs come out because they are naturally repelled by the smell of cinnamon oil. It boosts the energy of your space and it banishes negativity. So in addition to that, you can also take 
jars of black salt or regular sea salt and put them in the corners of every room as well. And that's going to absorb negativity. So that is probably the strongest, most efficient way to clear energy. Like one of the fastest ways this to me is stronger than, I mean, I've, I've tried this again and again, stronger than incense, Palo Santo, any type of smoke is just deep cleaning those corners and adding that cinnamon oil and salt. And then there are other cures. You can put tall plants, lights, living energy, fresh flowers. But if you focus in on the corners, if you do nothing else and just that, it's probably one of the fastest ways to feng shui change into your life. So getting a new job, moving, finding love, all sorts of changes and shifts start to take place in someone's life when they just do that. Do you do, do you mix the two or you do one at a time? Uh, no, I do. I, I kind of do everything. So the, my whole process is going into someone's home, resituating their furniture, utilizing what they have, restaging all the items. And during that process is like a deep clean of their corners, kind of wiping everything down, strategic placement. If I find sea salt in their cupboard, I'll put it out in the corners, especially in the bedroom where we're most sensitive to energy because that's where we're in our most passive state. So you can apply any of these tips and tricks to any room in your home. But I would recommend starting off with the bedroom since that's where, you know, eight hours of your life minimum are spent there asleep. With the salt, do you like smudge it in the corners? Nope. I just put it into like a mason jar and then um, stick it in the four corners and let it sit in the jar for 48 hours. And then after that, you can discard the salt. And a lot of times people start to see change immediately. Like people will start reaching out to certain clients, uh, ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, ex-partners will start reaching out. So these are just some common patterns I've observed just again and again. And with the salt and the mason jar, do you put the cinnamon oil in there too? No. So I use the cinnamon oil to just wipe down the like baseboards and wood. It's just to add in a little bit of living energy and it, it makes the, the home smell really beautiful. I love the smell of cinnamon oil, but it's just like a holistic approach. And it, essential oils have really high vibrations, right? So that's all we're doing is taking the energy of the home, you know, maybe from a five to like a 55 really fast. <laughs> and that's why when you're operating on a different frequency, you're attracting better. Do you... So we have to talk about clutter. <laughs> so yeah, clutter is not my favorite and it's linked to depression and anxiety. And so when, anytime I see clutter in someone's home, it's, it exists everywhere. All that's telling me is that the systems are on the inside haven't been addressed. And it's also telling me that the furniture isn't placed correctly. Because once I get the furniture in place and I can organize the insides then all the clutter disappears because every last object within the home has like a final resting spot. <laughs> so when you use something, you know exactly where to put it away. And then what ends up happening is all your stuff ends up becoming happier because it wants to live in a particular place in your home and it wants to be used. So when I see clutter or pockets of clutter, it's just like, all it's telling me is that the insides kind of need to be readdressed. How would one go about that? <laughs> is, it, is it the therapy? The um, work or it's, hard, it's hard to do on your own. Uh, for me, it's just a complete intuition. What I recommend people to do is just to start with a purge and a clean. So take everything out of a drawer, wipe it down, and then go through each item and and do one drawer a week and put stuff back into that drawer. Don't even think about organizing it or creating a system that's really difficult, especially with a big house, right? And you're overwhelmed with all this stuff. But if you can at least reduce and only keep the things that you're actually using or will use, that's a good place to start. And then corralling certain items like sentimental items into a bin or a box and so just grouping so that's like a really good way to start i no one's ever been able to do this process without me 
<laughs> in the home, guiding them through the process. Yeah, there's only so many tips I can give until then I, I have to physically be there and start placing furniture and staging artwork. Yeah. Is there <laughs> rules behind placements of things? I know it comes easy to you. There's no right or wrong. I think I can just sense like optimal placement for energy flow for to, uh, to create connection in the home so that people don't feel isolated. And so there's, it's, it's easy to have conversation. I'm trying to think like, I, I really, I think a rule of thumb I live by is always putting your bed in the command center, which means you can see who's coming in um, through the door. Your back isn't to the door, but you're not directly in line with the door. And you're like, you're not in line with the door. So your feet aren't pointing out like straight towards the door. So you can walk in and you can like see your bed and it's, it's in a power position. And the same thing with a desk. So you want to be able to sit at your desk and see who's walking into your space, into your workspace. Okay. Yeah. So if like you're sitting at a desk and you're staring at the wall and then the door's behind you, that is less of a command position, right? And so that's what I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes it's a little challenging, like people, they want to flip a certain piece of furniture, but then they don't know how to situate everything else and it doesn't make sense. So every, it's almost like a puzzle that's been misassembled and I take it all apart and I reassemble it. Is there anything with like symmetry and balance like you need to have? So in the bedroom, I really love bringing symmetry and balance um, because I, I consider bedrooms and not everyone, you know, there's some people that they're not interested in a relationship and that's not where they are like in the phase of life. But I love having two bedside tables, two lamps, a bench in front of the bed to really ground the space in the bedroom. When two people are living there, sharing that dresser 50, 50, sharing a closet 50, 50, those things are really important to me. And that's where symmetry is really beautiful. And bringing in elements of symmetry, maybe it's two end tables in your living room. That's always really beautiful. And just kind of bringing balance with stuff. And I guess like one question that came in was, is it true that it is bad to put a mirror in front of your bed and it would attract negative spirits? Yes. <laughs> Really? Yeah, definitely do not put mirrors in your bedroom if you can avoid it completely. If there's a mirror, if you, if you can see yourself in your bed while you sleep, that can actually cause insomnia or invite third parties into the bedroom. So that might mean like an extra lover or that can translate into some sort of like entity. And so you really want to keep your bedroom free of mirrors because mirrors are really active energy. And then you want to place mirrors where they can create expansion and illumination and double the energy. So in a dining room, I love having a mirror because it doubles a celebration. It doubles the amount of food and, and food equates to wealth, right? So that's an ideal spot for a mirror. But when you, when you go to bed, you want it to be still calm. That's a space where you want to sleep, rejuvenate, bond with your partner, um, so there shouldn't be a mirror reflecting the both of you in bed. Um, and actually mirrors can store psychic attacks and curses. They can store like memory of all of that. So it's really good to, when you clean your home, wipe down your mirrors really well because they're historically known to like, you can access other realms <laughs> through mirrors. That's something that I, I recommend removing from the bedroom immediately if you can. What if you can't? If you can't, then, you know, that's just strategic placement, maybe putting the mirror so it's off to the side. I, I've used mirrors in my bedroom where they're like over the door mirrors hanging on the inside of my closet. So when I get dressed, I open the door, I can take a look at myself and my outfit, right? That's a, a functional use for the mirror. But when I shut the bedroom closet door, the mess in the closet, if there's a mess, it's, the mirror is going to double it. So make sure your closet's organized, nice and clean, because then that mirror is going to double a nice, clean, organized space, right? <laughs> yeah. So mirrors are really, really powerful. And I actually, those are the things I place at the very, very end of the consultation. 
So when all the staging happens, I will know pretty quickly where the space needs illumination, where it needs expansion, and where it needs that double energy to promote maybe it's more people in the space, maybe it's more money, maybe it is that active water energy. So it just it just depends on I mean, like the home will tell me. It's a, it's like it's almost like the home is my tarot card deck, and it's just telling me a story about the client, and I'm just listening to where everything wants to be. Do you do tarot as well? I don't do tarot, but I do have this phenomenal tarot card reader. She's in Manhattan. She has like 200 plus five star reviews on Yelp. I've gone to her four times. Yeah. Um, she is phenomenal. If you want a real, like a legit psychic tarot reading, that's your girl. <laughs> and any other, like, I don't know if it's more myths, because I had also heard, like, you shouldn't put things under your bed. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. So it's ideal not to have any clutter under your bed, right? You want to have the energy free-flowing, so you, when you sleep at night, it's circulating around you, like above where you're sleeping and then underneath, right? But in small spaces, it's really hard. I mean, I live in Manhattan, or I live in New York and in Brooklyn, and I was living in Manhattan, and I feng shui a lot of like studios. A lot of small spaces need my help because there's stuff everywhere, and there needs to be a, a really strategic system. So under the bed, if you have to put away stuff, keep it soft. Pillows, blankets, any seasonal clothing items. But I would strictly avoid workout gear. Um, anything relating to exercise, anything like old love letters from ex-boyfriends or girlfriends, like anything from past relationships, old photographs, any like sentimental items, get that stuff out from under the bed. And you don't want exercise equipment under the bed. What that tells me or any anything relating to working out or work, like schoolwork, um, your job, all that's telling me is that you're working really hard for whatever it is you're doing in the bedroom. So if you're trying to get into a relationship, that means you're working really hard for like trying to get into a relationship. You're working really hard on sleep. You're working really hard to have a baby. Like all these things are going to be really difficult when you, you want to keep any work related items out of the bedroom completely. Okay. Yeah. And it doesn't just out of the bedroom. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean out of the bedroom. Just out. Just get it out. Yeah, or or I can place it in a way where it's like on the top shelf of a closet. So it's like, you know, accessible, but not under your bed and out of sight, right? So it just depends on the space I'm working with. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you have any, because I feel like we do have a lot of more so in entrepreneurs that listen to the podcast. Yeah. For like your, your maybe workspace. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So one of my magic tricks for feng shui is I love using the color purple. That's the uh, color of wealth and prosperity. So your wealth corner is the far left corner of, from the entrance of any room. So if you stand at the corner, let's say uh, the entrance of your bedroom and identify the far left corner, that's your wealth corner. Or if you're sitting at your desk and the far left corner of your desk is your wealth corner. That is the perfect spot to put purple. So maybe it's a purple crystal. Maybe it's a, you know, flowering plant of some sort that has purple flowers or an orchid. So that is a really good spot just to, again, keep clean. You can wipe it down with cinnamon oil and then place the a purple stone of some sort as like a, a cure, a feng shui cure. Um, so that's a really good way to boost prosperity. Um, and I would say, I really love using images in places that you wouldn't think to use images. Your uh, laptop screensaver, your iPhone screensaver. If you really want to make money, then why not put stacks of money, images of stacks of money on your computer and on your cell phone and create some sort of uh, aesthetically appeasing vision board right? So it could be surrounding yourself with inspirational quotes that are in really nice studio frames in your office or in your workspace. It could be something, you know, if you're selling real estate and you want to be really successful, what does that look like? 
are you selling those million dollar homes? Well, maybe you're taking a couple of those homes and putting them in picture frames and hanging them up on the wall as a visual reminder of what you truly want. So prosperity is actually a really hard thing to find the visual representation. I find that that's the most challenging. So you really have to kind of dig, look at Etsy, Society6, those are two websites I love, maybe it's something on Amazon, and find what truly, truly resonates with you, um, and then put that on your walls. And a lot of times you, you have to get really, really specific, and it can take a couple weeks to really find the right image, if that makes sense. Yeah, I also had a follow-up question. You mentioned far left corner, what are the other corners? So the far right corner um, is the love corner. And so those are the two that like I mainly focus on. And then the front entrance of your home, that's essentially linked to money. It's almost like that's where the water flows in. So you really want to pay attention to the entryway and wipe down your front door, the front and back of your front door with peppermint oil. Um, that's a nice fun trick I like to do. And then the bathroom. That is a hot spot for money. Water represents money. <laughs> so again, if you can do a deep, deep clean of your bathroom um, and use peppermint oil in the corners and wipe down your appliances, like the toilet, the sink, the bathtub, with peppermint oil, that makes a big difference. Just doing that. Because it's bringing that living energy into the space. So imagine like, Water, it flows down, right? It's almost like money going down the drain. And what you want to do is bring in earth energy, with, which sprouts up uh, from the earth. So there's that contrasting like element of something going down and something sprouting up. So any images of plants, any fresh plants. Um, I like to hang eucalyptus as it's drying for my shower curtain. That's just more earth energy. Um, maybe it's sand, maybe it's pebbles, a bamboo soap dispenser, bamboo towels are now available. So any type of wood plant is excellent for the bathroom. Um, so that's a great spot if you just want to play around and see if that's going to make any changes to your current work situation. So I always experiment on myself before I bring anything to a client, <laughs> just to make sure it's safe. Yeah. No, I love those tips. Yeah. Since I'm a big foodie, did you have anything for the kitchen? Um, for the kitchen, I love using orange blossom or lemon essential oil because like, I, I associate the kitchen with vibrant like yellow, orange, and red energy. Like That actually stimulates the appetite. So those are the essential oils I really like to use on the surface. And then I really like to display images of fruits, food. I love hanging like just simple photographs or even vision boards on the refrigerator because everyone congregates in the kitchen. That's a communal space. So you want to bring in two types of energy, people and food, right? Because you want to break bread with people you love. So that's a really good spot, especially if you do live alone or you don't, you know, you're kind of isolated in these COVID times. It's really important to bring in images of people at a dinner party. Maybe it's like some sort of celebration. Maybe it's just cards from family members, holiday cards, images of your nieces and nephews or your children, uh, loved ones, put that up on the fridge. It's really, it makes it feel really wholesome. And then probably the best thing in the kitchen to do is take out everything in the cabinets, wipe them down and reorganize everything. That's gonna make the biggest difference. And then I like to stage using what I have, I'll put out a fancy olive oil, I'll put out a bowl of lemons. In the fall, I'll put out a small bowl, or sorry, a bowl of like baby pumpkins, stuff like that. It's just bringing in that vibrant living energy. So you can display apples. Um, again, it's just gonna stimulate the appetite and make you, you it's gonna make you wanna be in that space for longer. And then I love displaying cookbooks as well on a stand. So it makes it really easy. You can flip through recipes and be inspired to cook and share, share food, <laughs> and share good company. I feel like I would love a tour of your space. You should yeah. do a whole video. Of like, I will. <laughs> I know this is audio based, but. Yeah, no, I definitely will. I just moved in here at the end of May. So I'm going to get um, just like 
more stuff happening in my home. I want to go out and find some cool vintage pieces and go to flea markets, but when they open up again. <laughs> I guess another question I had was since with COVID and everyone locked in, like how do you see that affecting people's faces? Like how do you see that affecting everything? Yeah, <laughs> feng shui, like. Yeah, well, I find that people are reaching out to me more because they're really frustrated. They're not getting out of the home. They're stuck in their homes. And now they're trying to carve out not just a home, but a space to do work and a space to relax. And so now the home is just multifunctional. So I, I find that a lot of people are frustrated and anxious and they are like craving change in their homes because they may not have those like activity zones and activity centers set up currently. And now that their home is also transformed into an office space for not just one person, but maybe three people <laughs> and every, you know, there's schooling happening at home and there's work and whatnot. So I think that's probably something that I, I wasn't expecting to do in terms of business was pivot from in-person to virtual. They never did virtual and I was fearful of virtual. I didn't know if it would work, but as it turns out, it's the exact same process. I can still read people's energy through the computer. I can still see things that I would, you know, normally see. I can't organize as intensely, but I can still create a, a solid amount of change where virtual consults are successful. So I was really surprised about that. Oh, wow. Did they do like a home tour with you and they just have them show you mm -hmm. around? Wow. Yep. We just do like a free 30 minute call and then it's a little challenging because I'm just like, okay, move that couch over there and put that there. And so it takes a little longer and it's more exhausting because I'm not physically there to help them, but it's still the same exact process. And I still get the same type of intuitive information coming through, which is, which is fun. I like it. I didn't think I would. Yeah. That's so interesting. I'm so glad you're able to pivot in that way. And then we're yeah. of that, but it's that's so true. Really cool. People are having to deal with family and work and the, you know, bedroom and love and marry all in one multi-purpose yeah. piece now. I've seen COVID's causing a lot of transitions in people's lives. People are, you know, they're being laid off or they're moving. A lot of people have left New York. And so it's just interesting to see that and uh, to see what's happening as a result of being stuck at home, you know? Do you see that a lot too, the people, because I have been seeing that, of people leaving the city? Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I think is pretty crazy, but maybe it's time for them to, you know, go towards the next chapter of their life. Okay. I recently moved just before lockdown and I still have my apps open of Realtor and- Oh, wow. <laughs> and it is crazier than ever. I get like, 15 pings like a day yeah down and yep it was still really competitive when I moved here uh, properties were going fast the rental market it didn't feel like it slowed down at all in this area in Manhattan or Brooklyn because I like I was looking at something and then two weeks later it was under contract <laughs> I was just like what <laughs> it happened so fast so it, I guess it just depends on what market you're in you know I think there's more transitions happening here because the spaces are so small. Yeah. And so people are so used to going into the office or a co-working space or maybe like a coffee shop and they can't do that. And so then they, they really have to decide, well, is this the city what they want? Well, is there, before going into fun last wrap-up questions, any yeah. tips, tricks, thoughts? I think manifesting through artwork is one of the most fun things you could ever do. There was a time, well, so I moved to New York in June of 2019 and I didn't really have friends and I was trying to build community. And about nine months into my time in New York, I didn't realize this. You know, I do feng shui and I'm looking at my artwork again and again. And I realized none of my artwork had people in it. And if it had a creature, let's say like a cat or a bird, it was only one. 
And I was like, oh my God, like I'm causing my own isolation. I felt truly isolated. So, and this was like, you know, beginning of quarantine and I couldn't really go out. And so one of the things I did immediately was find images of community, of happy community, of sisterhood, friendship, just people energy and displaying more photographs of family and friends. And it shifted my mindset so quickly. And I I really want to say after that, I just started to really be able to connect to people. I was more open to doing virtual networking events, things I wasn't open to doing before. It kind of led me in that path because I was just constantly reminded of what I wanted and it was on the walls. And it to me, it looked really beautiful. You know, I put it into studio frames. I staged the artwork. And I thought that was really, really powerful. And instead of focusing on what you don't have and you know, living in like a state of pity or fear or worry, anxiety, and just shifting that to what you do want and putting that on the walls. You know? mm-hmm. So like, for example, I wanted to exercise more and I wasn't exercising. So on my refrigerator, I put up a picture of just a couple and they're running. It's a man and a woman next to each other and they look happy. And, you know, eventually I started exercising three times a week. And it was just that visual reminder of like, this is actually what I want. This is going to make me happy. And I just have to like take the plunge, you know, or, I mean, it could be anything. If you want to eat healthier, if you, you know, want love, if you want more community, if you want to adopt a dog and you don't know how you're going to do it or, you know, so it's just bringing, getting specific on what you want and bringing that image into your home and hanging it up on the wall. And that, that causes an instant shift in people's lives. I love it. I agree. It's hard to find good art. Yeah, no, it's true. And also I would strongly urge everyone to look at all their stuff, um, especially when it concerns dead energy. So dead energy is like dried flowers, images of winter, bare trees, because that's a time of stillness, right? And reflection, winter, and you're not really active and going out. Um, And skulls. uh, And remove those items, especially for spring and summer. And then bring back, if you want to display some fun skulls around Halloween, that's the time when the veil is very thin, we honor our ancestors. Bare trees strung with lights, that's really beautiful for Christmas. I like dried flowers um, or displaying like dried flower wreaths during Thanksgiving. You know, that there's an appropriate time and place for those things. But for the remainder of the year, don't have them out. Those are seasonal things, right? So if you can really focus on that living, vibrant, happy energy, fresh flowers, living plants. If your plants are dying, the soil is all dried out, that's really bad for you. Your plants, they want water, they want nutrients, they want to be happy and in that growth stage. So that's really important. These are things that you, you start noticing these little details once. Um, you know, after I work with a the client, they start noticing all these little things around them and how to clean corners and <laughs> what's on their walls. That's the number one indicator of what's happening emotionally with the client is when I see their artwork through a computer, just on a FaceTime call. That will tell me immediately where they are in their lives and how I can help them kind of shift mindset, attract what they actually want. And yeah. mirrors, actually an abundance of mirrors in a home, that signifies isolation and narcissism. So that's another red flag. So that's why mirrors are so important to strategically place and also use in moderation. And I also heard like live plants are good because of- Very good, yes. You want that living energy. Puppies are great. Um, Images of your children, like actual children. Those are all yang elements. If you want a baby, just bringing in images of babies into like a nursery. Maybe it's like your old baby photos or your family baby photos, stuff like that. Um, into a room that you would want to have your baby sleep in um, if you're trying to get pregnant. So there's all these little tips and tricks you can do to start aligning with what you want. 
and going back to like winter, it's mm-hmm. gotta be extremely hard. Cause I also think I heard that of course having airflow opening up windows and things like that as much as possible, but it's hard in New York when I think six months out of the year and it's very cold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can crack open a little, just let in a little fresh air. Um, what I do in my apartment is I just open up the front door and kind of like air it out a little. I know there's like a hallway and neighbors, but as I'm cleaning, I'll just kind of just hold the door open with something and just do a little bit of a clean. But there's other ways to boost energy besides cleaning. You can listen to music, you can burn candles, incense. So all these things kind of add to the bigger picture. Take care of plants, talk to your plants. Maybe if you don't want a dog, maybe it's pet sitting. Um, Just bringing in other living creatures, living energy. All of that's gonna help you feel more connected to the earth another living creature to humans. So I think there's like almost like two components. It's really the emotional and the physical, right? And humans are social creatures. So we have to remember that. And so if you can't have people, representation of people is good. If you're bad with plants, representation of plants is great. You know, so you think along those terms or even fake plants. I had another question for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, sorry. One other thing I wanted to mention, when you get essential oils, they're phenomenal, multi-purpose. You can use lavender oil in your hair and you can also use it in the corners of your bedroom. It can promote sleep. It, you know, It's great for skin, um, inflammation. So if you have, I think it's a diffuser, that's a natural way to purify the air. And it's also a lot of essential oils have naturally like antibacterial, antimicrobial microbial, I can't say that word, <laughs> antifungal properties. So they're, they're naturally like detoxifying and cleansing the air that you breathe. So it's good to start incorporating that into just like your lifestyle every day. That's good to hear. I do have that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Humidifier thing. <laughs> I did want to ask, cause you were mentioning how powerful water is and mm-hmm. I was thinking about the other, I guess, elements of fire, air, water, earth. Are those all the elements? Did I mm-hmm. cover Yeah, okay. those are the elements. Because I think you mentioned fire is more so the bedroom. Water can be bathroom and that money energy. Um, yeah, sorry, what was your question? Where it is? Make sure I covered all the elements correctly. <laughs> and yeah. where does, I think more so earth fit in earth energy. I like bringing in earth energy into the bathroom because there's so much water energy there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bam- then, wood. yeah. And then earth energy. I mean, I think it's, that's fresh plants. So I will bring that into the kitchen as well. Um, I love having uh, fresh herbs to cook with. So that's a beautiful spot, but really earth energy can kind of be everywhere. It keeps you really grounded. We are like (laughs) animals, beings of nature. And it's, I I would say more and more, we're just disconnected from the natural rhythms of the planet. Um, So something as simple as tending to a plant is going to boost your energy. Cooking with just fresh fruits and vegetables is great too. So that kind of stuff. And why is fire? Where does that fit in? So fire is actually in between, on the Bagua, it's in between wealth and love. So I like bringing fire to the bedroom, just heat and passion. <laughs> but also um, in the living room, uh, you, you sit around and you want to be warm. And so the fireplace is like actual representation of that. And then the other place is the kitchen. So that's where there's some heat and you want to be careful with certain placement of like water and wood because fire burns wood, but then water kills fire. So there's like a balance of those energies, just like there's balance in nature. Your home is a delicate ecosystem. So unfortunately, I don't have a lot of tips specifically for that. It's like once I'm in the space, I'll know how to balance it intuitively by moving things around in a strategic way. Um, I would say fire is the element I work least with. And I would, 
I bring that in with candles, fireplace, and burning incense or Palo Santo sage, if you like the smell of that. I think that's really strong. I prefer incense and it can still clear the energy. But fire is beautiful. It's cleansing, purifying ritual, right? So it's, it is extremely powerful. I think I am almost fearful of fire energy. <laughs> so I don't quite work with it as much. <laughs> Does that have to do with your sign? Do you follow that? I'm a cancer. I'm a water sign. Yeah. So fire is a really yang element. Water is really fluid and feminine and emotional. So think of the sun that's masculine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, versus the moon, which has like a natural gravitational pull on water. The earth's surface is covered with water. So um, yeah, I would say I'm a little bit intimidated with the use of fire. I don't, <laughs> I love candles. I think that's a great element to bring in, but like an image of a fire, like imagine putting that up in your home. It's destruction. Yeah. It's purifying and causing things to burn to the ground. Right. Yeah. So that you have to be very careful with that element in the winter time. I will use the Netflix fireplace channel <laughs> to make it feel cozy, but that's, <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, that's like a nice way to incorporate that element into your home, but I wouldn't really mess with it anywhere else. <laughs> It's like that, uh, I think, Dutch Heige. I don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> like a Dutch oven? No, that um, Heige, like the Dutch, I think. Oh, Huga, Huga. Yeah. I knew yeah. I was not saying it right. Yeah, yeah. It's really, I love Huga. It's so cozy and you have lots of blankets and yeah. So fire energy, that has to be really specific and really strategic. I need to like, that's customized for every home. If I feel like certain areas need a little bit of fire, um, I'm most likely to bring it to the bedroom and the living room. And that's about it. I don't really mess with that. Or where if you have like an altar where you're meditating, lighting a candle and having images of your, ancestors past loved ones in that meditation space that's always really beautiful it can help clear what's happening and clear your energy field awesome yeah i've learned so much from you thank you oh, you're welcome so happy to be here i think you told us a lot and that we're coming to time so how about some final fun wrap-up questions yay i love fun <laughs> well i'd love to know do you like brunch I love brunch. I'm obsessed with brunch (laughs) and food. (laughs) I've had one podcast guest say no, and I'm jilted since. (laughs) But I'm so glad to hear you love brunch and would love to know what your favorite meal is, recipe, brunch spot in Brooklyn or Manhattan. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Oh my God. I don't have a favorite brunch spot yet because I don't think I've explored enough. However, I love brioche French toast um, with fresh berries and a side of bacon and uh, bacon and sausage. (laughs) I like this sweet and savory. Um, I also love potato pancakes with um, smoked salmon and like a poached egg and hollandaise. I kind of like the combination of all of those things. I think it's delicious and that's like more savory Um, But I'm a huge fan of hollandaise and poached eggs. So I kind of dabble in all of it. And, oh, uh, ricotta pancakes are really good too. Yes, of course. Yeah. Are you a coffee or tea drinker? I cannot drink coffee. Caffeine makes my heart palpitate. I'm really, really sensitive to uh, any type of like stimulants or depressants. I'm pretty, (laughs) I have to be really careful what I put into my body, but I do love, I can stomach like black tea. So I actually make my own oat milk chai lattes. Sometimes I'll get a decaf latte with like whole milk and lots of sugar. I love like the creamy, sweet (laughs) mix like after breakfast. So that's probably my favorite. And like, of course, like the pumpkin spice lattes uh, in the fall. That's always a really great comfort for me. Did you have a favorite place in Manhattan? 
or Hell's Kitchen? Um, no, not yet. You know, I didn't really explore Hell's Kitchen that much. I am kind of exploring as much as I can Brooklyn right now. So I could probably have an answer for you in like six months of a favorite. I haven't quite found my favorite brunch place yet. I am looking for the best steak and eggs <laughs> near me. So I'm, I'm going to go on that escapade pretty soon. Yeah, let me know how that goes. I yeah. always like that combo. I'm more of like a sweet savory. Like Are you? <laughs> or avocado toast. Ooh, I love avocado toast too. I'm like, I love everything. I'll, you put it in front of me, I'll eat it. And also next question is, since this is the Brunch and Learn podcast, we did talk about brunch and food, but also we learned a lot today. Thank you. Yeah. But I wanted to know, what is something you learned this week? And it could be anything. This week, oh my God. So I'm not the best with technology. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to admit this. So I've really been learning um, how to pursue email marketing more aggressively using MailChimp. And then also really pushing myself outside of my comfort zone with blogging and writing about my personal story. Um, so I'm three years sober, so I've been more comfortable sharing about that and my experience with sobriety and healing and different um, healing modalities. So I think I'm just really learning to push myself in terms of writing and then creating blog posts and sharing them um, on WordPress. So I'm learning how to <laughs> utilize technology to communicate <laughs> um, and kind of creating almost like this beautiful interconnected web or wheel or cycle, right? Utilizing Instagram and my website and email marketing and creating really open communication channels, which I've never been good at. I've never really knew how to market myself. And until I moved to New York, I didn't really have to. <laughs> and so these are really beautiful things that I'm learning now. They're kind of frustrating. But it's, it's exciting and it's fun. And I'm, I find myself getting more confident in my marketing abilities every day. So that's a good thing. It's good to have in your toolkit. Yeah, exactly. Especially now. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, where can people find you on the internet? So Instagram is a great place to start. Uh, my handle is Phoenix and Rose. And my website is phoenixandrose.com. So there's a ton of tips and tricks, um, lots of good content on both Instagram and my website. So I guess like those are the two hot spots that most people go when they want to learn a little bit more about what they can do on their own in the home, just to get more information. 